so many things are happening in our hearts and in our midst and in our families and at work. The one thing for sure that is certainly happening is that we will not necessarily be the same. We won't be the same. God keeps stirring new things in our hearts. And in a season that we are in, very soon we will be bringing in deacons. And it's a very sensitive season for us as a church. Amen? So I want to talk about the man called Jerubal today. And I want you to understand that when we read the book of Judges, it is a book of people who are inconsistent. Every time God sent a judge, a judge in the case of the context of this book was a deliverer that God would send after his people have forsaken him and have been enslaved. would send someone. And those people, those warriors, Israel, these men and women who were the, 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 the fighters on behalf of Israel, they were called judges. So in, in a sense, we're not necessarily talking about a judge in the context of sitting in a court listening to a case, but a man or a woman of valor. And so we read him from Judges chapter 6. The background is the one that I've already told you. That they have committed what I would call idolatry or adultery. But then, God comes at a threshold appearing in the form of an angel. Send an angel to Gideon. Gideon is a guy... Who's part of the bondage? He's like you and me at any other given point. His name is, means a smiter or a destroyer. But is someone who does not live up to that name. Instead, he lives under destruction himself. But the question is, is Gideon up to the task? And so when we read, I was, I was intending to read the whole thing, but you can go and read the whole story for yourself. Gideon has an encounter with the angel. He's hiding. Now the angel comes and he says to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Now remember, this guy is the destroyer. He's called the mighty warrior. Warrior, but he lives like a weakling. But he's not the only one. It's just that God goes to the one who has a definite name that implies victory. But the identity of Mudimu here. 
Now, which means chances are, if you are a child of God, in your family, the identity of God, the identity of a victor is upon you. And so, in the context that you find yourself, God is not going to call your brother who's not saved. Even if he has the money, even if he's more educated, God will come to the person who carries his divine name. And guess who that person is in your context? You. And so, in his encounter with God, in chapter 6, here are a few things that I want us to observe. Number one, he was greeted with the ways that both assured him of God's abiding presence and his identity in God. When God comes to him, he says, I don't want you to be confused. He says, one, the Lord is with you. Then, he defines and describes the person that Gideon does not seem to know about himself. Murimu or you mighty men of Vala. Musabani kapamuha liamat. And this guy is thinking, are you talking to me? It is the same thing, the same name we are given. In Romans 8:37, listen to how now we are created. You who are more than conquerors. But guess where we are hiding now? In his encounter with God, he complains to God about his or their unfortunate, undesirable current state and questions God's commitment and goodness towards them, much like we do. He says, if God is with us, where are the miracles? Where is what? Where is this? Don't you identify with the same? That as a child of God, there are places even where you are now, you say, Hey, Bamudimu Analina, who banning with Alan Totechenabopilumbak. Why am I still unemployed? Why am I still this? Why am I sick? Why am I in this situation? If God is with His question ignores His or their treatment of God's weight. Their disobedience to God, which may have landed them there. You see, he doesn't look back to the fact that they keep finding themselves in the same position because every time they are out, guess what they do? They forget God. Remember that statement we made some time ago. When God's blessings become a curse. God says to Israel, when you go out of Egypt, ask your neighbors from articles of gold. You remember that part we spoke about? When they are out of Egypt, they are rich, they have the gold. God has blessed them. It is good times, Sumanat. But when they get to the desert, they forget about God. They take the very same blessing. They melt it into a God. See, it keeps happening over and over again. You stand, you say, Murimu, I need you. Father, I need your breakthrough. And God comes through. And as soon as he has come through for you, you forget. Guess where you go? Go back to where you were before. A person comes here. Pray for me. I need a job. Pray for me. I need this. Pray for me. My marriage is this. The next thing, God takes them out. When they are out, guess what they do? God, I'll see you.
Yet the Lord does not condemn him or accuse him, but rather commissions him according to his divine plan. Murimu is amazing. The book of Romans 11.29, it says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. It does not matter what you have done. When you call unto him, when you are a dungeon, whatever the situation, God does not remind you the stuff that you have done. There's a song by Helen Baylor. And I love the song. It says, into the sea of forgetfulness. You placed all of my sins, but I'm the one who just keep reminding you over and over again. The devil condemns you about yesterday. Your heart condemns you. The Bible says, if your conscience condemns you, God is greater than your conscience. Other people cannot serve God anymore. Why? Because their conscience keep reminding them about yesterday. Other people devalue themselves because the devil keeps telling them, you are not worth it. But God comes in a situation where a person feels valueless. And he says, I'm with you. I'm sending you. What disqualifies the person in the natural does not divinely disqualify them. Because God does not change his mind about his purpose, about your life. And when confronted with a divine mandate, he excuses himself based on his human limitations. Just like all of us, when tasked with godly missions, we look at our natural resources to determine whether we can achieve what needs to be done. When a person is called to serve God, they always say, No, I can't do it. Why? Because you look at yourself. But he who calls you will never ask you to do anything that does not need his power. The only thing we can do without God is to sin. That's the only place where we don't need God's help. But friends, even as you sit now, you need God's help. That very oxygen, it is God's providence for you. But you know, when we're supposed to do Ntozamudim, we always want to do it in our own strength. And so we seek to deal with the spiritual things through the natural means. To achieve spiritual heights through fleshly ways. And to attend to the unlimited by means of the limited. Isn't it said that most of the time we desire to do God's will. But we will never go to him for strength. That's why you see people bent out. We forsake the living water, Christ himself, and we dig our own systems which cannot hold water. The very thing that God condemned in Israel for doing. In Jeremiah 2.13, God says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have dug their own systems. They want water, they want life. But what do they do? They leave the source of life himself. And they follow the resources. People want good future. But they trade God for natural things. They believe if I have more money, if I work harder, I will be better. But then they discover late that God is the giver of life. Money cannot buy life. You can have all that you have. But the day you die, you will take nothing to the grave. 
So we, we leave the source in pursuit of resources. And when we realize the impossibility of this feat, based on our misinformed calculation, we turn around and blame everyone and everything else. Hiding to say this out of my hand, he said, Yeah, you know, I always tithe, but this does not happen. I always work hard for God, but this does not happen. My friend, you left him. Yes, you give, but look at even the way you give your money. You grumbling, you like, This God, if you don't repay me, if you don't bless me, this thing is not working for me. But friends, despite his inadequacies, his imperfections and excuses, the Lord assures him his presence and victory over Midianite. When he sees that he is weak, he is unable. All these things, you will win. So in every battle that we enter, however fierce, we are always on the winning side. Although we seldom realize it. But God says, it doesn't matter what has come against you. Just the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They are divinely empowered. We can always win if we trust God. For greater is he that is in us than the one that is in the world. And God says, do not fear, for I am your God. Do not fear, I am with you. He says, I will uphold with my righteous right hand. He says, the enemies that are surrounding you, look for them, but you will find them no more. Why? Because I am God who does not depend on you to give you victory. I don't know if I'm good about God assures him of his peace and safety. God says to him, in, 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 he says, you will not die, but you will overcome the Midianites. Jesus tells us the same thing. Luke 10, 19. He says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy to trample over scorpions and serpents. And I love this past. And he says, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So if we do stuff in God's authority, it doesn't matter how pressed up we seem to me. Jesus says you won't be harmed. The only time is when you trade off God's authority for yours. And we want to fight Satan. But you forget that's, how, that's not how God intended for it to work. So how does Gideon respond to the mandate? When God says, I want you to do this. Remember, this guy is scared. Gideon puts his faith in God and worships him in the light of God's revelation to him. In accordance to God's way. Listen to what God said to Gideon. In the midst of everything, God says to, to Gideon, I give you peace. When you read verse 23. The very ways that Christ gives us. In view of all that we face, in all the trials and tribulations, John 14, verse 27, Christ says, Peace I give unto you. In all the things that we are faced, God says what? Peace I give unto you. In the storms of your life, Christ is still ready to say to the storms of your life, 
peace be still. This morning we sang two lawas. Be still and know that I am God. And in the midst of all these things, Christ still says, be still. But here's a difference between us and this guy. Unlike us, when God said to Gideon, I give you peace. Guess what Gideon did? He received that peace. And the Bible says he worshipped God. He made an altar and worshipped God. And in that place, he said, this is Jehovah Shalom. In other words, I declare in the place that I am, despite of all the things that surround me to take my peace, God is my peace. But you know you and I, what we do? Don't have peace. Why? Because Christ gives it, but we don't receive it. We don't speak about it. I love Gideon. Gideon calls it. He doesn't just say, Oh, I think I have peace. He says, I establish that may it be known that this place where I have met God, it was declared by God and by myself that God is my peace. Any situation that I enter from now, I will know I have peace. Peace like a river. But I don't know where you are. His fear did not stop him from doing what God instructed him. Faith had ascendancy over the remnant of fear that afflicted him. How about verse 27? It says, during the night he went to destroy the Asherah poles and the Baal, his father's God. But he says he was still afraid of his father and the people. Do you know we are always afraid at one point or the other? But you know, the difference between you and me is this. Gideon's fear, the remnant that was there, did not cripple him. It did not render him useless. Even Lana Tuil, he went because he says he went during the night and destroyed the Baal. You and I, whether it's night or day, sometimes we are just so crippled. Fear. You want to make a decision, but you are scared. You know how many decisions you have to make, which you make now. I just have to make business decisions. I just have to leave jobs. They are scared. If I leave this job, what will happen to me? I just have to leave bad relationships where they are abused. They are scared about the future. I just want to serve God full time. Whatever the case may be. You are scared to do it. Fear is crippling you. But I love the outcome of this man's life. The Bible says when he went and destroyed the bats, the men of that city woke up and said, who did this? Who destroyed our God? And they, said, they were told, it's Gideon. They, 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 they went to his father and his father says, why are you coming to my house? If Baal is God, 
Gideon has destroyed his altar. Let Baal contend with Gideon. And any one of you who fights for Baal will be killed today. I love what has happened. Gideon earned himself a name that put him in direct confrontation with the false gods. Who dominated the lives of his family and nations. A name which he embraced valiantly. And proved the superiority of his God over the false god. The name means let Baal contend with him. In other words, let Baal pay revenge to Gideon. Let Baal be the one who fights with Gideon. And what I love about this name, Jeruba, if you put it in a, in a, in a, in a the most simplest form, it says one who contends with false gods. Gideon did not just destroy his father's god. These gods have been there before Gideon was born. They have always dominated their family. Even their nation born. It was in his father's household. But it was not just his father who was angry. It was everyone. Because it was their God. Friends, if we are going into the next phase, you and I have to contend with the gods in our lives and in our families. And the question is, when I wish God are dominating you, there are many gods. Eh? Lots. It can be money. It, I, I don't want to go into how many are there. But you know the things that keep you from doing what you should be doing. In gathering the army, God says, I want an army that is going to defeat the Midianites. And this is my favorite part. The army was gathered according to God's criteria. And the victory to be won was to be exclusively for God's glory. For the Lord says in verse 2 of Isaiah 40, if you read in Isaiah 42, God says, I am the Lord and I'll share my glory with no, no other. But how about verse 2 more? In chapter 7, God says, This army, the, the people are too many for victory. If I deliver them through their hands, they will give themselves glory. How many of us? Say, hey, I worked hard for this thing. I, we always give glory to ourselves. Friends, when you take God's glory, you'll die like Herod died. He did, the Bible says he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. And I always love the sequence. Because it does not say, and he died and was eaten by worms. No, it says he was eaten by worms and he died. Although, everyone, now, God says, there are too many. 32,000 of them. But here's the truth. Although everyone availed themselves for the battle, not all were ready to fight for their inheritance and freedom. They were nevertheless certainly willing to share in the spoils of the battle. So, in, in, in our togetherness, don't think all of them are ready to fight. Not everyone who's here is for us. 
Where are you think when we stand here? No, friends, as leadership, we have the responsibility under God to love the sheep. But when you see the congregation like this, don't think everyone is sheep. You, you know that is true. Go and read your Bible. He says, amongst the sheep are the goats. That in the last days he'll separate from the sheep. But even amongst the sheep and the goats are wolves. So don't think, you know, everyone who's here is for us. Is that okay? Girl, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but fear, when they were supposed to fight, God says, no, tell those that are scared to go home. You know how many things we try to envision the church about? Bazaar, we are buying the site next door. Yeah, here again. There are a lot of people who have fear. Lots of people. When they're supposed to take five rent, they think about how their whole life is going to collapse. Eh? But other people, they give what their lives depend on. And they see God in the process. So fear disqualifies them. Most people on, are only happy to ride or hike on your faith. So that they do not have to live by any personal convictions. And when the chips are down, they can just simply bail out. We, however, friends, need to constantly remind ourselves that we have not been given the spirit of fear and timidity of power, of love, and sound mind. If we don't live by our own identity, then we have no convictions. Because we live by false identities. Are you still okay? After 22,000 left, only 10 remain. 10,000. But God said, let's test them further. Take them to the water side. Let them drink. Others left water like dogs. <laughs> and others were alert. And so lapping the water like a dog makes one a sitting duck waiting to be ambushed and killed at any opportune moment. And this was the second disqualifier for the Lord's army. You don't have the mind to be alert. To check. You are in battle. But we are like this to drink water. Eh? It signifies what? Lack of alertness. So the one thing Christ cautioned his disciples against was that very thing. Lack of alertness. He says in, in Matthew 26.41 Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Peter admonishes us to be alert, to, to avoid being the devil's victim. He says, be alert and sober-minded because your enemy, the devil, is roaming around, seeking whom he may devour. Hmm? He says, be sober in 1 Peter 5, 4, 7 to 8. He says, be sober-minded so that you can pray. And I love what the book of Proverbs asks. It says, how can a man put fire in his bosom and not be burned? Now many of us toy with very dangerous habits and are surprised when we get addicted 
that is called carelessness, lack of alertness. So you see, there are people who are scared. They are clearly scared. When you say, Basalan, let's do it, let's fight, let's do this thing, God has called us to do it. Like, ah, no. Others don't immediately run away, they come with you. Ne? They are not scared, but they are careless. They are the weakest link. When the enemy attacks you through them, he gets a hold. You get a guy who sits and watches pornography the whole night. But he wants to be a leader of people against the same spirits. You see, that's carelessness. Other people have fallen into permissibility. The Bible says in, 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 in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, verse 12, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Some of us, let me give you an example. Is there anything wrong with watching soccer? Yeah, but you see, there's, as much as it is permissible, it is not beneficial to watch soccer to the detriment of your soul. This person has a mate. But will spend 12 working hours watching other people making their money. That is not beneficial. You should be thinking about yourself. I mean, ladies, let's talk. And few men, of course. I mean, a lot of you watch soapies like I don't know. And they repeat the same thing for years. So and so love, so and so and so and so. It's always a triangle of love. Is that the, the case? From Look, from the days of number 227, capital, you know those? All those things. It is still this one loves him and he loves that one. And they are, ah, man, for all these years, still writing the same thing. But you are still addicted. You are what? You are careless. Because the devil will steal time from you. The Bible says we must redeem it. But when? Offense. When you can't watch a soap. But gladness when you can't attend pray. You are careless. Because we will entrust people to your life. And ask you to pray for five people. You can hardly pray for any of them for five minutes. Because you need five hours to watch soapies from four. What time do they start? Okay, so you all don't know today. The Bible says bodily exercise, for instance, profits. But it profits a little. It says we must exercise ourselves to godliness. Which has a benefit for this life and the life to come. But you know, other people, don't check the muscles of the people around you. Well, at least I don't see many. So I'm free to say what I'm going to say. Other people go to the gym seven times a week. Every day, hour, in the morning, five to six. That same person can hardly go to prayer for one hour. And exercise is good. The Bible says it profits. It lowers cholesterol. 
You know, it does all these good things, but it says, exercise your godly muscles. Yeah, but that person will never come to prayer. They won't pray alone. They won't pray with their family. But, give them something else. I know people who can run five hours. As we speak now, they are preparing for the comrades. So friends, when Jesus is Lord in our lives, we must by all means necessary make ourselves ready for selection to be in the Lord's army of glory. Let us not be fearful. Let us not let our backgrounds disqualify us. Let us not let sin disqualify us. And let us not be careless. Don't be religious, but don't be careless. You know, there are other people like, oh, I pray. Yeah, you pray. We know you pray when you are here. You pray here at church. At home, you are careless. You, you must not cancel out. If you do, how many of you have done met? Okay. For those who don't, learn from those who did. Positive one. Let's put it this way. Negative one plus positive one equals what? Zero. Did you hear that? Those who did not do math. If you do a negative thing and you do a positive one, you are not going anywhere. They cancel themselves out. So you come and, oh Lord, I pray, you know. And then you go home. You watch all those movies. And guess what? Guess what will come out? Hey, what you've always been. Akira are supposed to be transformed. Because you are putting negative and positive, they cancel it, shut out, you remain what you've been. Hey, church was nice. Yeah, but you're still the same. Let's stand up. Thank you.